This is a podcast from the Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law at UNSW. For more information, go to www.caldorcentre.unsw.edu.au. On the 14th and 15th of April 2016, the Caldor Centre was proud to co-sponsor a symposium at All Souls College, Oxford, to celebrate the scholarship of Professor Guy Goodwin-Gill. The symposium brought together leading international refugee law scholars and practitioners. The following podcast is a presentation by Walter Kalin, titled Reshaping Humanitarian Action in Times of Unprecedented Displacement Crises, The Relevance of the World Humanitarian Summit. Thanks a lot. I really was a lucky guy this morning because uh, when I was going through my uh, presentation again, I discovered that I had left out the S <laughs> without even knowing how important it was, I put it there. So thank you, uh, Guy, so much for all you did. I never was your student, uh, you never were my boss, but I must say I'm still slightly intimidated as I was throughout my life by your scholarship, depths of thought and rhetoric power. As uh, Jane this morning uh, mentioned, um, you went way beyond uh, just the laws in the books. You ventured into the underlying deep policy issues and you highlighted that the traditional focus on the 1951 uh, convention might be too narrow to really tackle uh, the present issues. And the present issues, of course, are uh, unprecedented displacement crisis. And what I would like uh, to discuss uh, here very shortly is whether the World Humanitarian Summit, which will take place in about five weeks in Istanbul, will provide a forum that will address some of the questions that were already already highlighted uh, this uh, morning. An unprecedented crisis it is, of course, in terms of numbers. We all know them, even though we often fail to realize how many people actually are displaced, besides conflict by disasters, triggered by natural hazards. 26 million on average per year, that's one person per second. That's amazing. But I think the crisis had also to do with the fact that unlike in the past, where during the Cold War we had a large number of refugees, but much less IDPs, or unlike uh, in the years after 2000, when we had lots of IDPs, but less refugees, we have large numbers both uh, internally and across uh, borders. It's a humanitarian crisis, a protection crisis, a funding crisis, a political crisis. I don't need to explain that. And the question really is, is the World Humanitarian Summit an opportunity to address these crises, or will it be a missed opportunity? What is the World Humanitarian Summit? It was launched in 2012 by the Secretary General, came out very much of OCHA, It was conceived not as an intergovernmental process, but as a multi-stakeholder process. Stakeholders from affected communities, NGOs, both north and south, 
governments, regional organizations, whoever. And uh, the World Humanitarian uh, Summit um, prides itself of having uh, reached more than 23,000 people in 153 countries. Some critically would ask, yes, but not 153 countries, because governments often felt left out to some extent. I'll come back to that. Uh, very general goals reaffirm our commitment to humanity humanitarian principles. Nobody has a problem with that. Initiate actions and commitments which enable countries and communities to prepare for and respond to crises and be more resilient to shocks. Good enough, but what exactly does it mean? And share best practices in this uh, regard. The um, Regional consultations led uh, to a global consultation last October in uh, Geneva and um, all of this resulted in a report by the Secretary General for the World Humanitarian Summit entitled One Humanity Shared Responsibility. And as I said, the summit will take place in about five weeks. And then what will be the next steps? Question mark. Again, I will come back to that. Is this whole process, and you've seen how broadly conceived it was, is it relevant for our issues? Refugees, internally displaced persons, uh, displaced people uh, in um, general. During most of the consultations, one must say it was only a marginal issue. During the second consultation, in um, covering uh, Eastern and Southern Africa, participants really wanted to talk about displacement in all <coughs> its forms. But it was not really on the agenda. So if you look at that report, you find some traces. But it was not really taken very seriously. And it didn't really improve throughout many of the consultations. But then still people wanted to talk about it. And the good news is that the Secretary General has understood that. And if you're looking at his report, there are a lot of issues that are relevant to our discussions here. The Secretary General identified five core responsibilities. Responsibilities for all the stakeholders, the international community, uh, the states, humanitarian actors, the NGOs, uh, the communities, etc. Five core responsibilities of all of us, many of them related uh, to uh, conflict, prevent and end conflict, respect uh, the rules of war, humanitarian law basically. But then, uh, core responsibilities three, leave no one behind, uh, directly addresses uh, the uh, issue of uh, displacement of refugees, of IDPs, of um, people displaced by disasters, and responsibility for working differently to end need, to some extent is also relevant for us. Invest in humanity refers uh, to the uh, financial mechanisms. I'll leave that uh, out, of course, uh, not because it's unimportant, it's key. No action without money. But let me uh, look and assess um, what the report says about 
core responsibilities three and four. One um, first point uh, is reduce forced internal displacement by 2030. And there, the key proposal, so to say, is to reduce the number of IDPs in protracted situations by 50% till 2030, um, instead of managing caseloads indefinitely. <coughs> well, I think that's an important issue. It's important because if you're looking at protracted IDP situations, and they are a problem uh, from uh, different uh, perspectives. Of course, a huge uh, humanitarian problem. We all know that. I don't need to explain in uh, detail. Uh, but uh, much more of that. Um, if you have large numbers of IDPs, uh, then we're also talking about um, human rights issues. Uh, people in protracted is placement are marginalized, they are discriminated against, and Chaloka Bayani, the special rapporteur on the human rights of IDPs, could say much more about uh, that. They are a development challenge. If you're traveling um, to Mogadishu, where I've recently been, and you see that about 40% of the population there are living in squalid IDP camps in a situation where the country tries to rebuild it is a development challenge. And of course, it's also a financial problem because we urgently need the money to address the humanitarian needs of all the newly displaced. And the money is largely insufficient because the huge numbers, the 60 million we're talking about, are not so much due just to new displacement. The largest number are the people who are in protracted displacement for 5 years, for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And unless we can reduce that caseload, I think we'll never be able to uh, address the financial, the funding uh, challenges. So that's a good idea. And I think it's an idea that is new in the discussions of uh, the uh, UN and the international system because it brings together, of course, humanitarian development actors. They have been complaining about the humanitarian development gap for decades without making any programs, uh, progress. The idea is to integrate, for instance, internal displacement into development plans, to integrate uh, IDPs into the national safety nets, into the national service delivery, and not keep them apart and have humanitarian action looking at them at the separate uh, caseload instead of being citizens entitled to exactly the same kind of assistance and support as the rest of the population in need. It's about the promotion of self-reliance rather than creating situations of dependency over uh, decades by inter-alia traditional approaches to humanitarian uh, assistance. The um, Secretary-General report uh, also talks about sharing responsibility for large movements of refugees. What uh, he, uh, of course, says and has to say, and I guess uh, Volker and his people had some input into that paragraph, is uh, the need for a renewed global commitment to the international uh, protection framework for refugees and asylum seekers, commitment to uphold the principle of non-resolution law, uphold uh, the uh, 
rights of um, refugees enshrined in human rights law in the 1951 uh, convention, etc., etc. But uh, what is um, going beyond um, what you would expect him to say really is the call for a new international cooperation framework on predictable and equitable responsibility sharing to address uh, major refugee uh, movements, as uh, is uh, said uh, in the text. Unfortunately, unlike uh, this um, the issue of reduc uh, uh, the reduction of uh, ID number of IDPs in protracted situation, the report uh, does not really go into any kind of detail regarding how such an international cooperation framework uh, could uh, look like. Uh, the report basically is referring uh, to the General Assembly um, high-level meeting uh, on addressing uh, large movements of refugees and migrants, which will take place uh, mid-December. Uh, but uh, still, it's on the agenda. It's on the agenda beyond uh, the EU, uh, beyond uh, the countries um, involved in dealing with uh, the Syria refugee crisis. And then, also innovative uh, for a UN text, um, prepare for cross-border displacement due to disasters and climate change. The uh, large numbers I was uh, referring uh, to here uh, promoting uh, the idea uh, not of creating any kind of climate refugee status. Journalists are still pushing that idea. Uh, but um, rather um, promoting the idea that would be, what we would need is national legislation allowing to admit uh, disaster displaced persons, cross-border disaster displaced persons on the basis of migration law, of um, temporary protection, uh, humanitarian visa um, kind of uh, frameworks, and then regional cooperation frameworks uh, to prepare countries to receive and protect cross-border disaster displaced uh, persons. Something that probably has come out quite a lot from the um, past three years of the work uh, by the Nansen Initiative, and also some signals in Paris at the COP. Uh, 21, where um, it was not able to really solve the uh, issue of um, disaster displaced persons in the context of uh, climate change, but at least the decision was taken uh, to create a kind of task force that should develop recommendations in this regard. Uh, other points here ensure adequate support to host countries and communities. In a way, uh, with um, regard to support to host countries and communities, recognizing, um, even though we don't like that word, that uh, displaced persons can be a burden. I think we have to be realistic on that. Not the burden as it's abused in political discussions, but there is evidence that the resilience of host communities can be undermined by uh, the presence of large numbers of uh, IDPs and um, refugees and again the traditional approach all the support goes to the beneficiaries, the IDPs uh, the refugees and now we have learned that we need also to give a little bit to the host communities because otherwise we will create conflict, that's very much what we are doing nowadays, it does not really work so I think uh, to be realistic in this regard uh, what it means to provide support also to host countries and communities enhances this idea of shared responsibility. 
Addressing migrants' vulnerabilities, there is also part of migrants, but what is interesting uh, for our discussions here is the call to provide more regular and legal opportunities for lawful migration. You all know that we are talking about mixed flows, you all know that uh, people in need of um, protection abroad would have much safer journeys if there would be kind of opportunities for legal migration. And uh, the Secretary General uh, suggests here the use of humanitarian visa and temporary protection for those not covered by uh, the Refugee Convention. And then also important, his call uh, to end statelessness in the next decade. And again, I think uh, Volker had some hand in that. Going on, core responsibilities for changed people's lives from delivering aid to um, ending needs. Yes, humanitarian action is very much about delivering aid. And the idea here is, that's the third point here, not so much to look at, um, uh, at uh, short-term assistance, but rather think about outcomes and to deliver them collectively, meaning with all the relevant actors, and that's very much transcending the humanitarian development divide. I'm not using GAP here, because GAP alludes to the idea of a sequence. There's a humanitarian phase and then a development phase. The idea here rather is to uh, work together from the beginning on, which would mean in the analysis of the Secretary General to create um, joint analysis of what the problem is based on uh, data and analysis and very much a move away from individual short-term projects. And that's one of the problems we have with the funding. Humanitarian projects are always one-year projects. Are we talking about protracted situations? Five years? How can you solve them with one-year time horizon? It's about um, looking at what should be the outcome. So it's about multi-year plans, also for humanitarians. It's about thinking in terms of food, not so much how much food are we going to distribute next year, but how can we reduce um, food insecurity over the next five years? Not giving up food distribution, but working on making food distribution uh, less necessary over that time. And then finance those collective outcomes, meaning putting very much the humanitarian pots and the uh, development pots with money together. So, how should we assess this? Um, I personally agree with a lot of what I've just presented. I do think that this will not solve all the problems, but it will help us to move ahead. There are good ideas innovative ideas. What is important is that the report takes a holistic approach, bringing together multiple strands of discussion. There is critique of traditional humanitarian action, and I think it's justified. And uh, as I said, um, it is a process uh, addressing the humanitarian development divide. So much positive. But I doubt whether this will be more than just a good report. And this has to do with the World Humanitarian Summit process. The whole process has been very problematic. 
It has unclear goals from the beginning on. You saw them and you felt that I was not too impressed by uh, the language of those goals. It was a process that in many regards was flawed. It was very much top-down. I mentioned incidences of people really wanted to talk about things and they were not really allowed to do that. Insufficient uh, involvement of governments. The international system still is based on governments, whether we like it or not. And then, and that's also a critique of uh, the report, I feel that um, uh, the protection perspective uh, regarding displacement is largely absent. It's weak. It's very strong in uh, responsibility too on um, humanitarian law, but it's largely absent when we're talking about um, responsibility three and four, even though human rights-based approaches there would really have been very important. But my strongest critique is the unclear outcome. What is expected from participants in Istanbul is making commitments. Will they make commitments? Because you're making commitments if you're part of basically a negotiated process when you know what the other one is offering. Out in the blue, I wouldn't make any commitments. And that's what I fear states will make. Not real commitments. And there is a lack of vision on follow-up. What we are told is there will be a nice document, but it's not a negotiated document. So what is it? Okay. The jury is out. Maybe I'm too pessimistic. Maybe Istanbul will be a big success. Maybe it will be a mischance, because, as I said, the report says many good things. And I think, to me, the key points with really a transformative potential, the ones we should focus on, despite or regardless of what's coming out of Istanbul, is really the idea of moving from individual short-term projects to collective outcomes is addressing protracted displacement, reversing the trend of growing numbers, which very much have to do with the fact that people yesterday in displacement are remaining in displacement today and tomorrow. It's providing more regular legal opportunities for migration and an international cooperation framework, whatever it is, and will take a long time to have it on predictable and equitable responsibility sharing and bringing back in a rights perspective. Thank you very much. Thank you.